1: everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Don Vogel, and we're going to talk about how he is creating waves, not just in cybersecurity, but all across different platforms. Before we begin, I want to remind you, this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you're a podcaster or YouTuber and you want to create tactical content that delivers, head over to nightly.productions and see how we can help you create that content. Don, welcome to the show, my friend.
2: Zach, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here.
1: Man, I think it's an honor for us to hear from you. I know um, a big piece of what you do is that cybersecurity world and with me being in the physical security realm, uh, I think this will be a really fascinating conversation crossing different things. And I want to give the audience an opportunity to know a little bit more about you where you have an established track record as a cybersecurity leader, wide range of experience overseeing all sorts of things from security strategy development, policy development, endpoint security, threat management, in different industries, uh, you participate in the local Vancouver security community, and you are a cybersecurity expert across several radio and TV channels, newspapers, and even internationally on BBC. So, when when we say you're a cybersecurity expert, that is no joke. You are a cybersecurity expert like no other that we've had on this show for sure. Um, but beyond that, you also have a podcast, and I want to hit on that first and foremost. Tell us about your show. Tell us what you talk about on the show so we can just start off with, like, the type of content you like to get out there.
2: Absolutely, Zach. You know, I, and, I mean, professionally, I, I love putting out the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. You know, it's it was something which which uh, we started, oh gosh, I going to say probably 90 weeks ago. So I think we're into almost our 90 or 91st episode. And really, as the name suggests, we're, it's really about... Helping people understand why cybersecurity does truly matter. Again, it's meant for uh, small, mid-sized organizations. People who are CEOs, CFOs, business owners. Uh, perhaps they sit on a, on the board. Maybe of a nonprofit or a smaller company. It's really about trying to humanize cybersecurity. There's no tech speak. We're not geeking out or anything. Uh, it's really trying to uh, help people understand in terms that they can relate to. Why cyber risk is one of the most pressing risks facing every organization today, and we—I like to say—we do. We aim for the three E's: we try to engage, we try to educate, and at least when it comes to me, I try to entertain as well. I love it because beyond that, uh, a
1: little—a uh, little side note—is that you're also a comedian. So you have all this information, you have this highly intellectual background, but all these things—you know—these are out there, these are on social media. You're putting this out on your podcast. Tell the audience, tell us something that we might not be able to find out about you very easily. Tell us a little bit of insight on who you
2: are. (laughs) Well, I'm fairly authentic, so I share pretty much everything, even flaws and faults. But I say a little known thing about me is that, especially over the past few years, I've enjoyed doing more about public speaking and actually speaking about not just cybersecurity, but you know, here's uh, uh, here's how to be a leader. Or here's how to grow a personal brand. Or here's here's a, a my approach to, to to sales or relationship building. I enjoy doing more public speaking and appearing on podcasts like this awesome one, rather than the actual security work. <laughs> so it's it's right now I have my team to do a lot of the fulfillment for our clients. Uh, I'm still obviously the face of the, uh, the company, but um, uh, I actually. don't do as much security work as as I used to. So uh, uh, that's probably something that a lot of people don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which can be fun, right? Because that means you get to, like you said, you like to entertain. So it turns into a little bit different aspect of what and as a physical security guy, we look at y'all as a bunch of nerds, right? Y'all <laughs> smart people hiding behind the computer that can disable grids on cities. So there's so much that goes into what y'all do. But I think at the end of the day, and you kind of hit on it talking about leadership, at the end of the day, cybersecurity really, from my experience, goes back to a lot of the flaws or the human element, people mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. don't want to be on board, that aren't being intelligent about what they should be doing or should not be doing or opening emails or not opening emails so you mentioned leadership go ahead and give us some insight on like how you see yourself as a leader how you go about instructing and teaching people hey this is how as a as a human the human element you are actually putting your organization at risk
2: yeah that's a really great question zach no and and for me it stems from the just even the first question of how you uh, envision or how you treat cybersecurity. Most CEOs and business owners, when they think of cybersecurity, they think it's an IT issue. It's like, oh, let the geeks deal with that. That's an IT issue. Not, not, not our problem that's the first misstep in in cyber risk leadership right there. Um, Cyber risk is no different than personnel risk, financial risk, operational risk. It needs to be treated as a risk. And as with any risk at any business level, the risk needs to have sufficient oversight from executive leadership. And that's where I would say like like security leadership, it's, it's much more than just security people like me, who need to provide that leadership. CEOs and executives and board of directors, they they are the true leaders of cybersecurity or cyber risk. Unfortunately, they are taking grave missteps in uh, basically absconding it and saying, let the geeks deal with it. Um, And as we've seen over over the past few years, especially, it's not an IT issue. It's very much a business issue. um, And it's very much an organizational issue. So that to me is when I talk about it especially talk about cybersecurity, it's not about what tools you're running or heck even your policies or processes. It starts with how often does your board, how often do your executives talk about cybersecurity? If it's once a year, then I can already tell that you suck <laughs> at cyber leadership.
1: You know, and it's funny how the attention in this world and from leaders has very heavily turned to cyber, right? But like you said, they, they turn it to IT where, The art of physical security, the things I deal in, is kind of a forgotten art, but they don't realize that cybersecurity is not IT, and then physical security and cybersecurity playing together so in such a huge part where, again, the human element, if if nobody's teaching the leadership aspect, then it doesn't matter what process, what you put into place, like the the human element is always going to overcome that somehow, right? And that's just purely out of ignorance or, or lack of knowledge attached to the proper protocol. So do you go in to these organizations and teach the C-level executives, the C-suites, the management, and the employees? How do you impact this change? And really, it's a paradigm shift thinking about
2: cybersecurity as something different than IT. Absolutely. And, you know, to me, to your point there, Zach, it needs to start at the top. If the executives and the boards, if, if, if there's one, the organization, if they're not engaged around cybersecurity, it doesn't matter how cyber aware you know the uh, the front line is. Right? Um, if you have leadership that doesn't care about it, um, or isn't providing the right governance or oversight around it, it's it's doomed to fail. And that's true of any organization, and that's true of, of anything as well, not just security. Right? If they're not talking about you know the uh, finances of the, of the organization, if they're just saying, "Oh, just let accounts payable deal with finances." that organization is going nowhere fast, right? So uh, it's it's those that can see it through that strategic lens. And that's often where I start with that communication with the board or with the C-suite or or with the executives. And really it's just about really helping them understand that this is an area that they need to provide oversight and due diligence. And one of the ways where I often start with that is, I always say, let's start with a worst case outcome and work backwards. In the event of a data breach, let's say your company experiences a data breach, uh, you have sensitive really sensitive data, client data, customer data. And this is especially true in the U.S., which is one of the most litigious environments in the world, your organization will most likely face class action lawsuits. And that class action lawsuit, they're going to try and demonstrate that your organization was grossly negligent when it comes to protecting the information that was entrusted to you. And I will say, did did you know, Mr. and Mrs. Executive and board director, that you can be held personally responsible for that, in which any monetary repayment could possibly come out of your pocket? Not to sound too uh, jaded, but nothing makes executives and board directors uh, more scared than if it sounds like they're going to miss a payment on their yacht right Uh, that that incentivizes them to change uh so often you have to again hit them where it resonates with them the most it makes no sense for me to say oh your firewalls has uh is getting all these um, intrusion attempts from russia and all that talking about all that is meaningless i have to put it in terms which resonate most with them. Like I said, for most people, the threat of a lawsuit will at least scare them into at least listening. Yeah. You know, and that's a really
1: phenomenal point. Cause I don't, I don't talk about the physical security world in this on this podcast very often. And um, you, you said something that fascinates me because I see it all the time with clients in the physical security world. You you talk about a lawsuit, right. And they talk, you come in, they bring in a consultant like myself on the physical side, like yourself on the cyber side, and they look at like the price tag attached to us. What you do, I'm sure is not cheap, right? It's not a $5 fix by any means. But when you talk about lawsuits, you're talking millions upon millions of dollars that a company could be liable for in this day and age. I mean, you're talking you get bankrupted indi- a company in some industry, and, and then you're not even talking about the PR fallout, the negative fallout attached yep. to something bad happening. Let's look at the oil pipeline that just got shut down for however long. And that's yep. security 101 right there, right? <laughs> so is that something you – like you said, you, you talk about them losing payments on the, on the yacht. But is that something that really motivates people is like when they when you talk about like, hey – this is gonna cost you X amount of dollars. You kind of highlight that for them to show them how much you're really saving them.
2: Oh, absolutely. Cause again, it, it, it's, again when you frame it, then most executives speak in the language of risk. And if you spend X, you're avoiding this type of negative outcome, which would cost you Y, right? By framing it in, in that way, they're better able to make a more informed uh, risk-based decision. You know, so like I said, that's why I'm not talking, I try not to talk about too much about the technical aspects or or, or even the threats, I I was right now in, the, in this day and age it's very clear. There's either a data breach or ransomware, right? Most executives and board directors understand those two negative security outcomes, and I work backwards from there, right? So I'm able to say an example, even if we use the colonial pipeline example there, say, well, ransomware there could cost your organization over the course of five days, you know, hundred million dollars for a fraction of that. Let's say, you know, round numbers, let's say for 50K, we can now reduce the underlying risk. So the likelihood and impact of that $100 million ransomware, in which if it does happen, is will be reduced to maybe a $2 million ransomware incident, which you're able to recover from far, far quicker, right? Helping executives and boards understand that at the end of the day, this is not a silver bullet. What we're saying, especially in this is true of physical security as well, you can't, there's no such thing as 100% state of security. At the end of the day, what we're doing is taking reasonable and legally defensible steps to be able to demonstrate that you as an organization did everything within your power to make things as safe and as secure as possible, given the the, uh, the risk situation, the risk, uh, um, given the risk and, and given your resources. That's what is important. That's uh, ultimately the job of a board and the job of, of the executives is to make those types of uh, decisions. And that's what, like I said, we're, we're trying to, to guide them down that path. I absolutely love that because I can't tell you how many times I've I've seen something going
1: that direction where it's like, oh man, there's this huge lawsuit coming. You know, there's a slip and fall accident or some silliness Yeah. where in, in the physical security world, you've got that guy sitting in the front the desk making $10 an hour playing on his cell phone. Yeah. Doesn't realize it's raining. Doesn't throw the mat out there. Doesn't throw out the wet yeah. floor sign. You know, yeah. that's stuff that I look at. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you say, Hey, here are the policies and procedures. This employee didn't follow that. We outlined it because we brought in an expert like yourself yeah. Where, hey, we did all of this to make Mm -hmm. sure this wouldn't happen, human element, and then all of a
2: sudden it absolves the organization of that liability, right? That's exactly the point, Zach, and and that's where more and more what what we're seeing, and um, um, the the name of the company escapes me right now, but what what we saw recently, and this was in, in the U.S., where there was a class action lawsuit that was thrown out because the court decided that the organization was able to prove that they took legally defensible and legally reasonable steps to be as secure as possible, right? They, the courts do realize that data breaches will happen. The courts realize that ransomware incidents will happen, but what's not okay is again, levels of gross negligence, right? we not taking legally defensible steps. So they, they um, identify them. sorry. I don't remember the name of the company, but um, they said, Nope this was fine, class action lawsuit dismissed, it was tossed. That's still very rare that we see these ones uh, getting tossed, but that uh, is what I, I think we're driving towards is that organizations, if they want to be prepared and want to be uh, make sure that class action lawsuits are just indeed just a speed bump and not a massive sinkhole, take the steps to make sure that you're able to prove legally defensible security
1: and you're protecting your investment right your yeah. time your money your your organization like there's an yeah. investment attached Absolutely. To that, that you protecting why would you not spend the money on an extra it's like an outside insurance policy insurance is just there in case it happens this is a proactive approach that's what i love about what you're talking about and um, what I would love to know a little bit more about, as we talk about the human element and how the individual can really screw up this great strategy, how does social media and posting and sharing and all these things that have come out, like every second we look and there's a new platform, Clubhouse, oh my gosh, right? People are just on there talking about everything. I'm like, y'all, this this is not the best thing for you to be doing, and and you have this human element. How does social media play into your world, where it, Does it throw a wrench in what you do? Do you have parameters around that? Any tips and suggestions? Hey, like for me in physical security, don't post that you're going on vacation for the next week because your house will get broken into. Is there anything like that that you kind of uh, help people with?
2: For sure, Zach. And and, uh, I want to hit very quickly too, just just before you led into that question around insurance. The other thing I want to mention as well is that executives need to understand that cyber insurance isn't a get out of jail card. Far too many organizations say to me, we have cyber insurance, we're good. That's like me saying I have life insurance. I'm going to throw myself out of a plane without a parachute because I have life insurance. Like it, it, it you still need to take steps to. It doesn't protect. work like that. <laughs> it doesn't. No, and, and that's again a fundamental <laughs> misunderstanding of risk. Insurance mm-hmm. is meant to address residual risk after you've addressed and mitigated the inherent right. risk to levels that you're able to do. So, just wanted to put that blurb out there because that's uh, always a thorn in my in my side. But to answer your question about social media, it's funny. I say there's 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 two sides to it. One is social media has allowed for someone like myself who does enjoy putting myself out there to be able to to get out on these digital soapboxes and talk about things that I'm passionate about, like cybersecurity. Right. Um so I mean social media has been very great that way in, in that it's allowed me to be able to connect with amazing people like yourself, to be on amazing pla- uh, platforms and podcasts like this, to be able to talk about cybersecurity to audiences that may never have had the chance to think about it or hear someone talk about it. So there's great stuff from a business development relationship point from that perspective. From a, you know, me as a security practitioner, yeah, it can be a bloody nightmare sometimes, <laughs> you know, um, uh, i say case in point, the one where it manifests the most is in what's called wire transfer frauds. So that's where, and you mentioned there, you know if you're like a business owner, CEO, CFO, and you're advertising to the world on Facebook, hey, I'm going to the Bahamas for three weeks. Cyber criminals and scammers see that. They're always looking to see when executives and the people in uh, uh, high privileged uh, positions are out of office. They'll often then launch these wire transfer scans where it'll be sent to someone accounts payable saying, hey, I'm so-and-so from, um, uh, or sorry, hi, hey, it's you know, uh, Bill, the CFO. Uh, I'm away right now, as you know, but uh, this this new vendor came in today. We need to get a uh, payment issued to them. Please wire uh, uh, 100,000 uh, to them right now. Most small, in most small businesses, there's very little procedural maturity around wire transfers. If an email comes in, it looks like it comes from the CFO, wire transfer out that amount. Heck, they could ask for you know five hundred thousand wire transfer, and, and they'll do it. Um, so that's where social media has been very useful uh, from a reconnaissance perspective for scammers, for for cyber criminals uh, to to commit these types of crimes. And I I, I see that especially ch- uh, attached to wire transfer scams.
1: I, mean, I think it's kind of a thing of the of the past. But I, I'm not really sure. Um, which I'd be curious about your input is you used to have like Craigslist scammers or social security scammers. These people that would just like call up and it turned into like phishing emails and it turned into all these other silly things. Don't click this link. It's a virus. And all of a sudden your entire organization shut down. Uh, is that how, how do people control that? How does a leader, the, the CEO of the company really mitigate that risk? Cause like you said, it, it, there's so much that goes into that. There's only really so much done does that leader then kind of turn around and like do often like bring in training bring in an expert like you talk about it more like because out of sight out of mind if it's not if it's like you said earlier if it's only done once a year nobody thinks about it right so how do you combat that piece of things from these things it sounds so convincing hey your warranty and your truck's ending you should call us now Right. You know, that silliness.
2: Yeah. And and there's there's two sides to that. You know, one is that I.T. companies, application companies um, have done a terrible job of creating resilient systems. If you think about for a second, the fact that someone by just clicking a link can bring down an entire friggin network, that's not a very resilient network. That's like me. If I accidentally turn the radio too high in my car, my car blows up. That's not a resilient car, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, systems should be designed to be very robust, very resilient, regardless of what the user does, right? Historically, we've created very fragile IT systems, and that fragility has only gotten worse as our systems and networks become increasingly more complex, right? So, I mean, it would be it would be nice if the resilience went up, but it didn't, <laughs> uh, and uh, as such, users wield. Uh, an unfair, unfair to the user um, uh, power in which, that by just a single click of a button, they could bring an entire network down. That's that's not good. So, on one side, I always encourage CEOs and businesses, especially the larger organizations, to pressure any any vendor if you're buying. IT systems, if you're buying applications, pressure them to make sure that they are creating resilient systems, right? It's only through that type of pressure, uh, because there's still an absence of regulatory pressure uh, to make these truly resilient systems. So that's one piece. The other piece, though, is, you know, it'll likely take years, if not decades, for that to (laughs) likely manifest. But on the other side is, you know, making sure that you keep your your staff, frontline employees, as informed as possible, right? So, you know, there's a subfield of security called security awareness. Awareness, where we just talk about things like here's the current online threats, here's the scams you need to know about, here's the scams based on our industry that we need to know about, um, whether it be social engineering scams, phishing scams, what have you. That could be, I and mean, you can engage that by bringing in speakers. Myself, you could uh, have or purchase and invest in what's called security awareness platforms, and those platforms can have you know, uh, ongoing training. I'm not a bel- big believer in doing the once a year training on security awareness for most people, they just click next, 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 take the test. There's no, nothing to be done there. I'm a bigger believer in uh, uh, the dripping effect where if you just drip a little bit of nuggets, uh, maybe once every other week, you know, a short one, two minute video um, on security awareness on a certain topic, and do that consistently over the year, that will make a much more resilient user workforce when it, when, when it comes to security.
1: I absolutely love that. And I think that's something that so many people fail to consider, fail to think about, especially leaders, leaders need to be thinking, and it doesn't matter if your organization is 100 mil, or one mil, or 100,000, right? Like, yeah. these are all things, if you have anything technological in your organization, I mean, and that's everybody at this rate, right? <laughs> you know, this is something that you have to be thinking about, you have to be considering. And I, I'm really curious, Dom, with everything you're doing, I mean, you're doing great things, you're educating, You're you're creating entertainment around something that Something like my, my, a guy like myself, I'm I'm a dum dumb, right? You, you're gonna lose me. You start talking about something that that is technologically savvy, and and you lost me, right? But you're bringing entertainment, you're bringing positivity to something that might be boring to some people, but is so needed. What what are you doing with it all? What's the legacy that you're really trying to create around all of this that you're building to bring this awareness to people?
2: Yeah, to 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 me. Um... And I appreciate that that you've noticed that, uh, Zach, that that means I'm on the right path. To me, and that's been in me from the moment I entered industry uh, 15 years ago, I noticed that security people were really great talking to other security people, but sucked talking to to non-security people. And to me, especially in this very digitized age, right? we live in a digital economy, we're only becoming increasingly more uh, reliant on technology, uh, both from a personal and, and business perspective. Everyone needs to have a better understanding of cyber risk, right? That can no longer be the domain of the IT eggheads or the security geeks, right? That needs to be understood by everyone in the organization. Um, uh, And that, to me, the only way that I overcome those myths, because most people, when they say, oh, if I tell them I'm in security, they're like, oh, really? You're not like any secure person I've ever met. I can understand you. I can actually tolerate you for more than two consecutive minutes, right? Like it's, there's a lot of negative stereotypes many of which are true because I, I can say that I've, I've I've seen it and lived through it. That to me is what I want to change that people realize that it is an important subject. It is something that they can engage in. It is something that they can learn, right? They don't have to be hackers. They don't have to understand coding, right? Uh, to me, it comes down to just digital literacy, right? And it's something which, even for my two young kids growing up, I want them to be digitally literate. And that doesn't mean that they know how to download games on the iPad. No, it means that they truly understand and have a security mindset when it comes to engaging with digital technology. I absolutely love that. And I think it's, like I said earlier, it's such an important thing that people just kind of forget
1: about. And the way you're bringing it to the, the populace, to the masses, I love, I respect it because it needs that flair attached to it. And I want to give you the opportunity to share with the audience, what's the best way for them to get this content, what's your website, your social media, your podcast, go ahead and plug that again. Let's make sure that they have an ability to find you, reach you, and reach out to you to get more of this information.
2: I appreciate that, Zach. So, I mean, from from a podcast perspective, uh, uh, Cybersecurity Matters podcast, uh, you can uh, just Google that. Subscribe on our YouTube channel or on your favorite uh, podcasting uh, uh, platform. Uh, like I said we've, we've we have about uh, 90, ninety episodes or so uh, out there, so please do subscribe to that. Uh, when it comes to the security content, I'm a big believer in putting that out every single day. So if you subscribe to Cyber SC on any of the social media platforms, uh, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, LinkedIn's probably the the, the the best one from a business perspective uh definitely check that out and then as me as well uh, follow me on on linkedin and engage with me on on linkedin i'm the only Dominic Pogo on there there's some Pretty sure i am uh, i talk about security uh, not just security but talk about uh, you know uh leadership sales i talk about being an active working dad uh, i talk about the lessons i learned b- being a dad so uh, there's a lot of great diversified content on on my um on my page as well where I, I truly believe you know the best way to connect with people is to just be deeply authentic and to be human so those are the best ways to connect with us and follow us And Dom, I love it, man. I
1: appreciate the wisdom. I appreciate the insight. And I encourage everybody to come back this Friday. We're actually going to find out some action steps, some tactics attached to how leaders can accomplish these tasks that we've just discussed. Dom, thank you so much for your time, my friend. Appreciate it, Zach. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast, and I hope you got a ton of value out of what we talked about today. I also want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Night Protection Services. If you're a leader in a small to mid-sized business that does 5 to $10 million a year in revenue and want to improve retention costs, which can actually add up to being twice your employee's salary, all through creating a safer work environment and saving up to 25% insurance costs, be sure to visit NightProtectionLLC.com.